Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends contains references to suicide and self-harm. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Lane. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent, returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict. And this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame. The highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons we never knew we needed to learn but are so grateful that we did. So, remember 2020? The year when nothing made sense, when there were a hundred quizzes and so much banana bread and sourdough for some reason and a fuck ton of time for self-reflection and too much space to think. When life was entirely different, when we were scooped up like soup in a ladle and dropped into a world completely unlike anything we'd ever known and then hoovered up and then spat back out and down was up and Dominic Cummings tried to blame breaching quarantine on testing his eyesight. I mean, it was mental, guys. It was utterly fucking mental. And we were lonely and confused and scared and also really happy at times and then unbelievably sad. And we don't talk about it so much anymore. So, (laughs) activist, author, and Pride of Britain award winner Ben West and I are talking about it all today. Okay, so it is 2020, the big year that goes down in history as being unbelievably shit. It's also possibly 2021, but we think it's 2020. Um, And we are in Liverpool. It is September. We're in uni halls. And Ben, in this moment, why do you think you've got no friends? Oh, so I um, I just got back to uni to start a third year. Mm -hmm. I literally just got back. I had one night where I went and saw everyone. And then the next morning, I woke up and my phone pinged. And I got that dreaded... You've been in close contact. And that was at the time when close contact meant lock yourself away for two weeks. Yeah. So I literally, the second day of being at uni, started third year, I had 
a flat on my own, 10 metres long by two metres or whatever, squeezed into isolation for two weeks. And I was actually quite lucky. The day before, I'd gone to Argos and got myself an Xbox, (laughs) which was great. It's like you knew and you somewhere inside, yeah. I feel like the first couple of days, as everyone will remember, was real like novelties like oh this is quite nice i can yeah. do whatever i wanted yeah. i could get to like, delivery and get like like contact free delivery yeah, yeah. gonna eat pizza all day and then by day four day five day six it got so 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 bad mm. and i think you know <laughs> i definitely had no friends because i was just literally on my own in a in a flat i remember at one point i got so bored that i decided to do a. I was walking up and down my room and i realized it was 10 meters long and i was like <laughs> if i do 50 500 lengths of my room that's a 5k so I literally ran 500 lengths of my room trying to be quiet because I didn't want to like upset the guy underneath me um (laughs) and but you know it's all it's all funny but like it really like it really got to me this Mm, idea that mm. I was so alone and and I just started third year of my Mm. aerospace engineering degree aerospace engineering and before anyone gets impressed by that I dropped out I was literally like shut the front door right I uh I I was shit at maths at school right and no one not a single person questioned me when I said this is what I'm applying to you need to do no I got a U in my first A level maths exam and my maths teacher was just like yeah Fair enough. Go on. Good on you. Um, what's that about? Um, you so, go for it, Sam. You follow those dreams. Yeah. So I started, this is my first week of studying third year. Mm. I had all these lecturers on Zoom talking about dissertations, designing and building. Mm. You, you know, like I had a design, build and tester, a remote piloted UAV to survey farmers crops that was what the zoom calls are about and i was sitting there alone in my room lonely mm. bored mm. probably verging on depressed thinking i have no idea what i'm doing yeah not only do i not have any idea what i'm doing like specifically with my course but like in life i was like i'm third year i'm not going to pass this degree i'm alone in my flat it got awful it got really really awful and, mm. and obviously as i'm sure we'll get into like this all stemmed from the fact in 2018 just before i started university my brother took his own life yeah and so I was still dealing with all of that. I hadn't had counselling at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and it was all a bit of a shitstorm um, that manifested itself in a two-week isolation period where I was doing 5Ks, <laughs> 5Ks in my room, yeah. uh, trying to give myself something to do that wasn't eating pizza or playing Xbox right. or crying. <laughs> right, yeah, right, because those, those are kind of the three options. <laughs> yeah. You're like, A, cry. B, pizza, C, Xbox, D, all of the above. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of that. <laughs> Tick that box. Um, what, how, what, did you have any symptoms? Were you, were you sick? Oh, not really. So I've always, even in that moment, I felt very lucky to have, so I was on Instagram. So I had like a mm. lovely, lovely, and you know how influencers are like, I love you all and you're all, I love yeah. all of you. Thank you so much. Like yeah. it was genuinely a moment of like, I really, really appreciate having this community that's so loving, so supportive. Yeah. I was lucky that this was third year. Like, I had friends in mm. the same city that I was in. Mm. So shit, get, shit got really bad. I could just walk out, break lockdown, and go and go to a friend's house in yeah. like five minutes. So yeah. it felt like I wasn't completely lost. And I was, you know, on a mental health campaign. I've been speaking about this a lot. I know how to look after myself yeah. in the basic terms. Yeah. Much more basic back then than now, but I did know. Mm. So I sort of did feel quite lucky in that respect. And I guess from a mental health campaigner point of view, because that's what I sort of do now, yeah. sort of from that empathetic point of view, I remember thinking and sort of taking a bit of a silver lining out of it being like, 
imagine how awful this is if I was a first year, if I had yeah. never been to Liverpool before, if I'd yeah. never lived away from home before, if I had no idea what engineering even was, yeah. if I had no idea how to cope. Like, I just remember feeling quite lucky, actually, to have an amazing support network, to be able to call people every evening and have a drink or a few drinks with people on Zoom, um, be able to sort of know lecturers, know people on my course yeah. that were on Zoom. Yeah. So I guess like from my point of view, like it was awful. And obviously like symptoms of you know feeling incredibly lonely parts yeah. of the day, incredibly lost, incredibly confused, incredibly demotivated. At the end, you can sort of, in my way, I sort of rationalised it by like, how lucky I am to be able to go on Instagram and be like, God, I've had a really shit day yeah. and to get a flood of amazing yeah. messages or to just jump on um, my group chat and be like, does anyone want Zoom tonight? And everyone be like, yes, because yeah. everyone's oh, gagging yeah. for it, right? Let's do a quiz, guys. <laughs> yeah, oh my, you know, I never, in the whole time we were in lockdown, I didn't win a single quiz. In fact, I, I thought you were like, I didn't do a single quiz. I know. Oh God, no. <laughs> I did. I lost every single one. And there I was sitting, like begging not to do this engineering course again, and feeling like an absolute failure. And we'd log on to an online quiz, and I'd be like, "I have no fucking clue about anything, <laughs> anything about music, geography, anything." I don't know it was anything the most about popular culture. Thing. I was like, "Can we do Among Us instead?" Because I can't do a quiz. <laughs> My morale can't take this anymore. <laughs> it was a nightmare. It's like playing mafia when all your like, when people really point out all your flaws, and you're like, "Oh god, this is just tragic." <laughs> and everyone was like oh this is easy I'm like I don't know it's almost like I don't know who Taylor Swift is like come on Ben it was awful it was absolutely awful um yeah. so but I was very very lucky like, yeah and, and I guess from my with the mental health campaign I had on that's what that drove me into that other lane of like universities mm. do more we have a lot of first years 18 year olds are locked up mm. you know mm. I spoke to a, a family and a group of friends that that lost their friend um, to suicide while he was in the halls in exactly the wow. same position that I was in wow. but in first year um, he'd been told to isolate he died and I spoke to them and I was like actually you know I've got a lot to be quite proud like pleased and, and lucky for mm. and feel lucky for and I guess that sort of again went into my coping strategies always being let's try and help hello <laughs> the cat's just jumped on my lap we've got Mickey in the room guys <laughs> um, and I was you know I've always found quite a lot of um, support internally from being able to campaign and try and change something. Yeah. I don't know whether it's just funneling some anger and some shit emotions into, mm. into this person's not doing this well and we should never have been told to isolate yeah. in uni, we should never have been sent back to uni. Yeah. And so, you know, I found quite a release of pressure in being like, middle fingers to the sky yeah yeah, yeah. everything this yeah. is not how it should be um, and based on the fact that you know you're having conversations with people that I've genuinely lost someone because of the situation that I was in in that in that September yeah I think what you're talking about in terms of being grateful for the fact that you weren't in completely uncharted territory is so is so important because arriving into a new place which is already incredibly scary starting something entirely new the first year of uni going is this the right thing which so many people are questioning their choices and then being in this new city and suddenly being entirely alone away from home away from friends away from everything and then being told to just sit in a box mm. the 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 demons that might just like flood in it's be so overwhelming so overwhelming and like like you said in the first couple of days because i got it omicron took me down oh, no. oh it took me down hard <laughs> Um, and for the first couple of days, 
yeah, I was like, I am just sleeping. Yeah. I've got, I was drinking at the time, so I was like, I've got a bottle of whiskey. I've got this food. And it was kind of like this weird sort of, you know, netherworld mm. of being, um, of being allowed to just sit and chill. But it is so important with mental health to make sure that your baseline needs are attended to whatever your baseline needs are, you know, in terms of just making sure that you are doing whatever kind of physical activity that you are capable of making sure that you are getting sustenance of some kind. And when you're in that place and suddenly it's like the world outside doesn't exist and everything goes out the window and you don't feel like a real person anymore. And when you don't, when you start to feel like a not like you're not real, it becomes so much easier to hurt yourself mm. so much easier. Yeah, I can imagine in that situation. I think you're absolutely right saying you're so grateful for this community of people that you have and that you've gathered in a really safe space on your social media to be able to go, hey guys, this fucking sucks. And everyone be like, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, let's all talk about, you know, what's, what's going on for us. And I don't know if you felt like this, but um, I certainly did when, you know, the first lockdowns hit um, and we all had suddenly had this space and, you know, if everyone started making banana bread or I've got a sourdough stock here or whatever the fuck everyone did. But I was like, I should be really creative. I should be mm. creating something. And then not having the the energy to do it started beating myself up massively. And I don't know, it's it's a very weird time being in that space and just feeling like like you're unreal, mm. I guess. Because, um, mm. I mean, everything that you, is, was normal is, is completely yeah, gone. So yeah. everything in, like, you feel unnormal and it's all a weird mix. Yeah. But actually, like, one of the hardest things I found about lockdown, and if you can relate, is, like, everyone experienced it differently. Mm. And I found, and this is something I'm looking at a lot more now, as sort of, you know, the reason we're seeing so many more people really, really deeply struggling, especially young people, mm. There's this phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think the first two days of my station in that flat were part of this. Mm -hmm. And also the first couple weeks of first lockdown. Do you remember how, or at least for me, it was blissful. Yeah. The sun was shining. Yeah. Work was off. Uni was stopped. And actually nothing mattered. Mm. And it was this weird moment where purpose of your day, of mm. your life, became literally just getting through the day. Yeah. There, was, there was nothing else to do. And that, for a lot of people, and me included, was such a huge relief. Mm. Such a huge relief. And I remember that exact feeling the day after Sam died. Wow. wow. And it's, it was this moment where I didn't have to go to school. I was getting emailed by my teachers being like, don't worry about A-levels. Don't worry about any of this. We'll sort it out when you come back. Yeah. I was, everything was meaningless yeah. in an amazing way. Yeah. It was really peaceful. And some people, like a lot of the time I get asked about like grief and all these questions about, oh my God, it must have been awful, you know, day after. And yeah, of course it was. But actually there were so many moments where I sat there and I was actually like happy. Right. Um, and in the worst moment you could imagine, I was really happy and that same feeling was replicated in those first two days. I was like, I literally can do whatever I want yeah. and the only purpose I have is reaching the end of the day. So I think we live in a world where you're constantly felt feel like you have to be pushing to doing something. You have to be doing the next thing. You have to have a next project on the mm -hmm. works. You have to be feeling creative and doing well and getting better at painting or getting faster at running or running further. And mm -hmm. it's just like suddenly there was nothing you had to do. Yeah. For the first few days, it was amazing. And for a lot of people listening to this, probably like mm, lockdown, that was ages ago. Yeah. What's the relevance? What's the relevance? I work in, in the mental health space now. I work as a campaigner. I speak to a lot of charities, a lot of professionals. Mm. The impact that lockdown had on kids. Yeah 
is absolutely horrific. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to see the impact of that for a very, very long time. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and be anti-lockdown or any of that because I think it was really, really important at the time that we took control of everything that was going on. Yeah, but on. it doesn't come without its repercussions. Exactly. And I think, actually, we start, need to start talking about those repercussions. And the reason that I chose that as my moment was because it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> but in the first two days, there was this purposeless, if you like, mm. moment. And then the waves come crashing and the loneliness comes crashing in. Yeah. And I think, actually, a lot of people now struggle with having felt that amazing euphoric feeling of not having purpose to be thrown into exams a levels getting tougher more competitive GCSEs more tougher and more competitive than ever before mm-hmm. university admissions tougher and more competitive than ever mm-hmm. before pay tougher and, and jobs opportunities tougher and more competitive than ever before yeah. suddenly you've gone from experiencing this complete lack of any purpose yeah. to oh the world bearing down on you and then you know adding into that mix the loneliness the feelings of loneliness now is an all-time high in in young people Uh, like i think we've got a real shitstorm caused by those few years that is going to have so much impact over the next few years um so that's why i chose that moment because i was like let's just take everyone back to lockdown remember that this fucking horrific thing happened to all of us because it honestly feels like we've just sort of forgotten that it all happened i often think about lockdown in the way of it being at first because i i have a weird thing that i really enjoy weather superlatives like i like it when it's really really cold when it's really hot because everyone is joined in this weird Mm. thing everybody's hot everybody's cold and we were suddenly thrown into this space where everyone was involved everyone knew what was going on and it was weird Mm. and it was so different to what we'd ever like anything we'd ever experienced and it was kind of exciting and you know like getting out of london making sure i was like had my back pocket and was like it's the apocalypse and i like get out of here (laughs) like practically like getting my fucking longbow out ready to shoot i'm coming (laughs) raiders and it was kind of it was weirdly euphoric you're right and exciting this purposelessness Mm. and i think of all of us society being thrown from one absolute extreme to the other Mm. with no kind of teething period or you know easing in it's just such an enormous shock to the system and we're all still reeling from it and these young people whose you know um frontal lobe is just like jelly they're like what the fuck has happened and they don't know how to regulate and it's it must have just been so confusing and I've got, I even think about like, you know, toddlers in that early learning period when they're supposed to be, you know, with sensory and seeing other people and meeting other children and they didn't have the opportunity. Like, what's that done? Yeah. Well, I mean, and, yeah. We, we compare it to dogs, right? Everyone, so you'll meet a nervous dog and the first thing the owner will say on the lead is, oh, it's a lockdown dog. <laughs> right? And, yeah. Right? They do. Everyone, yeah. if like, if you meet a dog that was born in lockdown, they're a little bit nervous because they didn't have that yeah. social contact with dogs. Yeah. The owner will say, sorry, it's nervous. It's a lockdown dog. And that's the excuse for it being nervous. Yeah. Like, we understand that a dog that has grown up not having mm. relationships with other relationships, that sounds a bit <laughs> human for a dog. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have it that long term girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have that experience. Like, my dog, Holly, she was a lockdown dog. She's the most nervous dog really? around other dogs. And so we can understand that with dogs. So let's let's remind ourselves about what that does to humans. Mm. Like we have lockdown humans we <laughs> that have, were born in yeah. lockdown, that grew up in lockdown, that went through very significant development stages in lockdown, mm. that haven't had that experience that everyone that I have at that age. Mm. And you know we need to give them the same amount of attention and same recognition that we would a lockdown dog. Mm. Like they are nervous, less able to have those those experiences. 
and this is general generalization. I'm sure there's people that don't and people that are affected differently. But I just think I just I heard it on the lead the other day on the lead. Well, I wasn't on the lead. I was overall. I was walking along. I'm locked down, dog. It's an excuse that works every time. <laughs> and and oh, I had Ollie and, and um, I was like, oh, she's locked down, dog. That's why she's nervous. And then the other guy was just like, oh yeah, mine too. That's why she's not nervous. I'm like, yeah. so we understand that the impact it's had on dogs. Yeah. But we still need to give ourselves a little bit more space and a little more understanding compassion for going through that and like the effect that's had on us i just find it mad that we understand it more for dogs than we do for humans we are more compassionate towards the animals and we don't apply the same tenderness to the people who who need it the most at the moment by going and it's so strange that we all have this like very common vernacular of going (laughs) going it's locked up okay yeah i get it i feel i feel you man I'll back yeah. off. I'll back <laughs> off. And imagine if it was 2017 and anyone said that, you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this whole thing that we collectively have experienced. Mm. And I think you're you're really, it's really, I want to say smart, but like, I don't know, very interesting to bring up that time. Because I think you're right that we have all sort of forgotten mm. that it happened. And I, I remember saying something like, fuck, do you remember when that was, that was two years <laughs> That was two years ago. It's like it never happened. Suddenly one day, yeah. everyone stopped wearing masks. And I remember being on the tube and wearing a mask, like in the height of it when we were allowed on the tube, and going, my God, we're all wearing masks. This is weird. Mm. Imagine a year ago if I'd been wearing masks. And you'd be like, you nutcase. Yeah. But, and now we're suddenly not. And things change so quick. And you kind of go like, oh, and now now we're living this way. And it's just, it's, it's like you're playing catch up a lot of the time. So you, you dropped out of the uni. I just want to yes. get that one. So how yeah. long after that experience? Uh, so it was it was not re- it was a sort of off and on relationship after that. Right. It was just like because I'm wondering if that kind of like, informed yeah. you. It went from like normal relationship to sort of like friends with benefits quite quick to that <laughs> friends with benefits being the exams like work part. It was all a bit messy. So basically, I was sort of gave up. I was sort of a silent quitter within mm. like the working world. I sort of quit internally, but was still like in the uni. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's quite a funny story. Like, so I got my dissertation came through: design, build, and test a remote piloted UAV aircraft that can survey farmers' fields. Whoopty fucking woo! I have no idea how to do that. That, however, is, that's a whole load of words. Oh my goodness! I could not tell you how planes fly. I actually couldn't tell you. <laughs> Something to do with wind. Like, this is <laughs> like this is the level of understanding I have. I'm like, there's this dude in the front, and he's a wizard. Like, <laughs> It's That's magic. About it. Guys, magic. Yeah. <laughs> and so so there's me with that base knowledge of aerospace engineering. And this guy on my call about the dissertations was just like messaged me while we were on the Zoom call being like, I kid you not. He said, you seem really good at this. Do you want to do you want to partner for the dissertation project? And I was like, what the fuck? This guy is ex-RAF mechanic. Okay, that's left the RAF to come and get this degree. What? He knows his shit. And I, 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 there was like this moment where I had angel and devil moment where I was just like, the devil was just like, oh my God, we're going to get my, this is like the gold, this is like the ticket to getting a degree in something mm-hmm. I don't actually understand. Yeah. And then the, the angel was just like, no, but we're going to like completely fuck his dissertation. Right, yeah. So I was just like, what do I do? Obviously, I went with the devil and I said, oh my God, yeah, I'd love to partner with you. And um, so I thought I was I literally framed my mum because my mum was very aware of the fact that I had no idea what I was doing in terms of degree. And I was just like, this guy has chosen me to work with. And so we started doing the dissertation. It was a it was January. Horrible, the dark, grim. Jan- uh, I'm sorry if everyone's born in January, but January fucking Gen- sucks. January is the, the worst year. 
the worst. I mean, it feels like it's not yet worst month. Of the worst year. year. It's January is the worst, worst year of the year. year. <laughs> January honestly sucks my dick. Anyway, it was a disgusting day in January, in the year of January, <laughs> and um, I it was like the evening, and this guy phoned me. And he was just like, oh, Ben, can you calculate the tail volume coefficient of our aircraft? Um, and obviously me trying to keep up appearances was just like, yeah. Yeah, man. Easy. Uh, I'll call you back in an hour um, <laughs> and we'll discuss. Literally, I ended the call and I was just like, I have no idea what that is. And I looked absolutely everywhere, all of my textbooks, online. I Googled it. I went on all of our lecture slides, lecture notes, could not find that anywhere. And basically had this massive breakdown where I was just like, I'm not going to be able to pass this and mm. I've just let him down and he's not going to be able to pass now. And I just literally, I remember I broke my chair because I was just like, what the fuck have I done? I've literally just spent three years doing the screen and I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do this. I have no idea. Yeah. I had this massive moment. Yeah. I ended up just pouring with rain. I ended up just standing outside for like an hour, just, just not knowing what I was going to do. And then I came in and they emailed my course head of support or something and I was just like I'm leaving <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore mm. um and honestly you know when you make a decision you don't really know whether it was the right decision or not this yeah. was the absolute opposite I sent the email and I was probably the happiest I've been in three years yeah um I had re- it was honestly you could feel my shoulders like feel less pressured yeah um it it was um it's something you can't explain it was absolutely amazing mm. um i just felt like so it had so much con- more control and what i did was i suspended my studies so technically i didn't drop out i suspended for two years mm. so on the grounds of i think i said i had employment outside of the university i mean i did but like <laughs> part-time at most right so <laughs> um i am so, swamped <laughs> yeah um so, so I, I literally sent the email and I, and I left and then i sent this text to uh, the guy i was on the project with i'm expecting him to be fuming yeah and he was just like just like oh yeah no i can do this on my own it's fine <laughs> i was like thank god but he was incredible and i'm sure i think he i think i looked on linkedin he went and got like some great grade at the end so brilliant no sweat there but mm. it was this moment of like tail volume coefficient mate what the that's what, that's what even i don't even know what that is now that's, that's like four years so that co-tail what tail volume coefficient that sounds made up to me yeah that doesn't like so, someone I, I think the fact i think he was just fucking with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking tail on a plane. Anyway, it was a bit of a mess. And like, I and this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about my experience. Like that first two weeks, being on my own, having no idea what I was doing, mm. sitting at a laptop screen, having an entire lecture, turning the laptop screen off mm. at the end of the Zoom, mm. and just sitting there in silence being like, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea what I just listened to. Yeah. And the, the real panic of like, I, I don't know. I've got an exam on this in January. I've got no idea what any of that meant. Yeah. And I was, you know, obviously that had been, I was quite practised at not knowing what I was doing because I'd been doing it for two and a half years. Mm. Um, but it was, it, it was that panic that added to the loneliness, that added to the, the <clears throat> sadness of the situation that was yeah. just like, oh my God. And then you've got pressures, like pressures of your family and expectations and expectations of your friends and all your friends are doing degrees. And you're just like, why am I not able to do this? And I was sat there in that room being like feeling like such a failure and uh, it, it was it, it was awful it was really not nice it's slightly like a sort of out of body experience when you know that you've you've got this this thing coming up you know that you don't know how to do it you know what it's not about yeah and it's like and then when there seems like no path ahead but yet you have to do it you're like, mm. well this is gonna happen but it doesn't feel like it's gonna happen yeah 
Did you ever read Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows? <laughs> I haven't read it, but I've watched it. Okay. Perhaps. You know the locket? Yes, the, the, yeah. The, the Horcrux locket, yeah. and they wear it, and it, and it, and they get salty as shit. Yes, they do, yeah. Um, and then when they take it off, it gets... Yeah. But they don't really realise that it's the locket making, making mm. them really unhappy. And um, I often think of these things like that, that you go into this place, it's new... The, the sort of unhappiness, the pressure, the, the weight just kind of creeps in on you and you kind of accept it as your existence without knowing that there's anything else or thinking that you can do anything else. And then when you get to the moment of going, I'm not going to do this anymore. And suddenly it's taking off that locket and your Hermione Granger being like, fuck yeah. Oh my yeah. God, this is amazing. I'm like Hermione. I don't think you ever wore the locket. <laughs> but like just suddenly being so, so free yeah. of that is incredible. Mm. Do you know what's really powerful about mm. that? That example is the locket is not you. Yeah. And it's something separate to you. Exactly. And I think a lot of people in that position, and I certainly was, felt that way and felt that pressure mm. and sent it internally. Exactly. I'm yeah. broken. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I need to do better. Yeah. I need to work harder. I need to find motivation somehow. Mm. And it was me that was a problem mm. rather than mm. just the locket. Right. And I think if you use the same example in Harry Potter, it's just like, no, Ron wasn't that. Much Ron wasn't, Ron wasn't being through, a dick. You know, was he was just, yeah. yeah. And that's such an amazing thing because I think so many people nowadays have mental health difficulties and have struggles and deal with a lot of awful stuff in their life. Mm. But instead of seeing the the struggle is a product of something, mm. they see it as just them. As just them, yeah, exactly. And I know my brother was exactly... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah. Like I think he very much internalized it. He wasn't able to do this. He wasn't able to feel happy or, you know, do certain things yeah. and, and it would become internalised. Yeah. And um, he was a massive perfectionist. And I think even even that sort of shows that any time there was a mistake, it wasn't an outside factor, yeah. it was an internal factor. Yeah. Um, and it's a really amazing example to actually look at life, not as as you just being you, but actually look at, like, try and imagine the baggage that you're wearing. Exactly. And that university thing was that evil Evil, that was the evil Horcrux locket. It was. And I took it off and I was like, oh my God, yeah. I'm Ben again. Yeah. And it genuinely felt like that. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that two-week lockdown was sort of the, it was the oh, deepest, darkest um, moment of that. It's, it is exactly how it feels when you internalise these things and it becomes part of your identity. And you just go, I'm a bad person. I can never achieve anything. Mm. I'm not going to be able to do it. And it's because you're, you're wearing the stuff that doesn't need to be worn. Mm. Um, and... You know, with mental illness, you're ill. And I and I kind of 
I will hammer this home continually because there are so many fucking people who think it's a choice. Guys, it's not. I did not at any point go out in Soho and go, yeah, I want some CPTSD. <laughs> can, where can I get some BPD around here? Like at no yeah. point, at no point did that happen. Mm. It is an illness. It is something that is affecting you. And it is not you. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to something else. And it can be helped. And it can be worked through. Mm. And it's But it's those moments when you don't realize that it is the Horcrux around your neck, when it is that gremlin tugging at your brain, little brain strings. You think it's you. You think it can't be cured you think you can't get out and the darkness that swallows you in that moment and i've been there mm. i've been there exactly like just over a, just over a year i tell you january shit my last january my last january was the hundred years war yeah. <laughs> like, that was like winter is coming and it's here and it's mm. staying forever but when you feel like you can't get out of that and you feel like it's you that's that's when it's really fucking mm. dangerous. I would like to to discuss a little bit about your brother if you're comfortable yeah, with course. that. Was it something that you saw approaching? Hmm. It's really interesting. And I've heard this question a lot and I've sort of thought about this a lot. And mm. obviously I wrote a book and I reflected on it a lot. Mm. And on paper now, if I'd been me back then, it would have been obvious. Yes, but I always say twenty twenty hindsight is a powerful oh, shamer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, like, I know so much more now right. about how to spot that. Back then, I'll give you an example of how little I knew. Mm. Um, my mum told me he had clinical depression. Right. She sat me down and she was like, sounds like clinical depression after dinner on my own. And I, I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea what that meant. Obviously, clinical depression, for people that don't know, the rare people that don't know, is like the most severe yeah. form of severe depression. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, I always think now, like if she told me, oh, Sam had t- t- terminal cancer or brain cancer, I'd be like, oh my God, let me go and find him. I want to go like sit with him and yes. talk to him. Oh my God, this right? is so important to discuss. Thank and, you. And I had absolutely no idea. Um, and I think actually, if she'd said something else that I had understood, oh my God, my reaction would have been so different. I would have just, wouldn't have just gone to bed and <laughs> had a shower and then got on with my life. Yeah. I never spoke to Sam about it. Okay. Had, he, had I known that that was what was going to happen, that he was dealing with something that bad, mm. of course I would have spoken to him about it. Mm. And to give you an idea of how little I understood about mental health in general, I, there's an example I always give, and it's something I'm not not proud of at all, but mm. there was a girl in my year group that took two days off school because she had a panic attack. And I remember ridiculing that and thinking it was absolutely pathetic because how could anyone take two days off school for a panic attack? And that's like, that's who we were dealing with, that level of understanding. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh my God, panic attacks are debilitating and horrific. And the fact she only had two days is a miracle. Like yeah. she should have taken more. Yeah. Um, and depression is this awful thing. Like now, if I was me then... I would be able to pick up and I would have clearly have understood how severe that was and yeah. how much he needed someone to talk to that wasn't just my mum and his counsellor. Mm. I would have gone to, to, to do more and I would have noticed that it was all, it was all bubbling away. Um, but it was very, very difficult at the time not knowing anything about it. And, you know, that's something I've taken into my campaigning of like, yeah. we need, why did I not know anything about this? You know, this is something that is critical to to humans like it's everywhere why why the fuck did i not know anything about this Mm -hmm. and i think for a long long time and you know if i'm being totally honest i think there's probably a seed of me like in me that's that still sort of clings to this is it's like a sense of guilt and shame for not of doing more you know and and that's is probably a seed now because i've done a lot of work to address that but at the time it was debilitating amount of guilt being like how did i not do anything how did i not notice it 
why they aren't doing anything for him and talk to him. But I guess now with my campaigning, I've sort of shifted that to being like, I wasn't given the opportunity to do that. Yes. No one gave yeah. me the opportunity yeah. to understand that's the, the significance of that situation and to, to deal with it. Um, and actually that needs to be given to people because not only could it have changed Sam's outcome, but it absolutely could have changed my outcome yeah. if I'd known I had had that conversation with him. Yeah. It's like um, the stories of people, you know, the the brother and sister having an argument in the car and the brother says, get out and walk home. And then she never comes home. Mm. And of course, that shame and that pain and that guilt that that brother must feel. And there's so many examples of that mm. just over time. And of course, it's not their fault. Because mm. how could they have known? Yeah. And then it's that thing of wanting to go back with the knowledge that you have now and be able to change it. And I think shame shame carries just so much mm. weight and being able to release that and forgive yourself in the past for the knowledge and awareness you had then rather than what you have now and then but being so proud of the fact that you can acknowledge that place bring your awareness and, and help other people because to do nothing with that and it just let it sit in the ether you know maybe that would be something to carry shame about but mm. you haven't you've taken this thing to be able to move forward and and create something brilliant and I think what you're saying about you know if your mum had said he's got terminal he's got terminal cancer it would have been like spark on yeah. we know exactly what that is I understand that language I understand that thing but with when you say I've got clinical depression people are like <laughs> well you know may, yeah, have a bath. <laughs> yeah yeah have you tried yoga <laughs> yeah. like it's and it's it's the same as you know when I've said it before, going, if you broke your leg, no one would go, maybe just like walk it off a little bit. Yeah. Just, um, you know, if you go for a little run, you'll already get some mm, Get outside down. your comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, no one yeah. no one would apply, would apply that to something that is tangible yeah. and something that we know a lot about. And I think I often get told, and I kind of ignore it, and now I kind of get a high off of it <laughs> these days, when people are like, you shouldn't be talking about this. And I'm like yeah what because I, it's only by speaking about it it's only by creating awareness only by going this is an illness this is an epidemic this is a this kills people this is a killer mm -hmm. do we in any way begin to grow and learn and become better and save lives mm -hmm. because Absolutely. there are so many people who just think that they are entirely alone that they're bad people and there's no way out yeah yeah, I, it, it's, 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 it's very sad and, and it's difficult actually this job and I'm sure you feel it as well. You can get very demoralising when you you try and, you know, with my <laughs> the waffle I put out on social media and all this and, you know, always trying to do it and then you get some, you know, or some awful messages back and yeah. not, not, not aggressive or abusive but actually like real windows into what people are really going through. Yeah. It's a very difficult solution. It's a very difficult problem to be in where as people that are working in the mental health space Look, it's really, really important for people to have coping mechanisms mm -hmm. like running a bath, like listening to music, like mm -hmm. going for a run, mm -hmm. like doing yoga, all of this stuff. It's really important. And sometimes, you know, I find myself saying, oh, try going for a run or mm -hmm. try doing this stuff. And you, that's really important for people to know. But it, then again, you get a message of someone that's, you know, not left the house in four months because they've got horrific anxiety and depression. And they've, you know, they've consistently attempted suicide and mm -hmm. they've had blue light responses every time. Mm -hmm. And you, you just like, there's, there's feels like two conversations with the mental health thing at the moment. Yeah. There is yeah. sort of the top level, everyone needs to know this stuff. And then there is a very, very deep, dark belly of the beast sort of 
the conversation to be had. And I think actually in the past, we've done a really good work in terms of the top level stuff. Yeah. Most people can tell you what general coping mechanisms are. A lot of people still can't identify theirs, but a lot of people can tell you like, oh, it's music. And all this, they can tell you the general ones. I think we've done great work at the top level mental health. Um, we have not touched the conversation that, that, that's at the bottom yeah. um i think it looks incredibly unsexy on tv <laughs> it's so um unsexy. very unsexy on billboards and advertising and i guess now for me it's like every year in january obviously it's come up so much <laughs> <laughs> every year in january that year the 21st january is when sam died and i always wow. sort of have a moment of reflection in that week of like yeah. what's the next what's that's sort of my new year it's like what's the thing this year what's my goal what's the like, like manifesto if you like of what I want to do yeah. and this year it was all about hope and mm. and I, I always write a post for the 21st and I basically ended it with the situation is worse than five years ago so much worse than five years ago I've gone through all of this stuff and I've seen all this and I've seen these stories and I've seen how awful it is but actually there's a huge amount of defiance in hope yeah. and being hopeful and believing that things can get better yeah. and for me the manifestation of that message is we have to provide a conversation that actually focuses on the stuff that's not seen yes um the 100%. people that are really left out of this conversation and the thing is no one actually realizes that people are being left out because they're not being addressed yeah of course um, no one knows they're there exactly they and exist. you know i volunteer for shouts and i can tell you there's right. people there that really don't feel addressed in any of these conversations yeah. i see it on social media dms people really don't feel included yeah. i've got parents desperate to talk to someone talk to me mm. get support for their children because they don't feel included in these conversations and i'm like this is why, you know, a lot of I've got a lot of goals this year, but I really want to get some conversation that goes deeper than, than we have done so far yeah. that really gives those people hope. Because you get hope when there's stuff happening yeah. that might improve your circumstances. Yeah. And to be honest, if you're put on an 18-month waiting list and you were told you might get support in 18 months, there, there is no hope there. Um, and, you know, people wonder why the suicide rate and the, the, you know, the rate of attempted suicide is so high. Yeah. You put someone on an 18-month waiting list when they are already at low you have basically just taken the one little piece of hope they had mm. when they applied to, or re referred and just completely snuffed it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we need to focus on that conversation because hope is so powerful. Yeah. It can, like, even the smallest little bit that you think there's a possibility of it getting better, you're going to hold on to that. Yeah. Of course you are. That's human survival instinct. Um, as soon as that's gone out, that's why you see suicides and that's why you see the rate of young girls suicides going up and you see yeah. you know young men still 75 percent that's why you see the whole rate going up it's because we've got to a position where we've taken away everything their person has yeah except hope and now we've got to a point where we've also taken that away yeah and that's i guess for me like the reflection in this year is what i do what i want to do as a person in this space is give those people hope that someone is looking at that deeper problem yeah because i think you know you see the press releases you see the media activism thing you see the, the advertising boards and you see all the all the, the funding releases and it completely misses the point yeah um and how is that going to make someone that's really really struggling feel yeah they're going to feel ignored i <laughs> like, think like someone's passed them by you're absolutely right we need to we need to dive into the ugliness of it mm. because there is nothing sexy or romantic about it there is nothing appealing Mm. and I think so many people are so very afraid of it or just completely unaware and therefore yeah. it's just it's just unnoticed unwanted and then so many people end up 
just feeling like, like again like they don't exist yeah absolutely uh, having spoken about you know the shame and the and the guilt that you felt my favorite question of the podcast which either makes people so uncomfortable or they love it but um i'd like to know the things about you that you really cherish and really love and are very <sighs> proud of yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? And it's, as a Brit, it's a very difficult question to answer because you spend the whole podcast just self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. terrible at maths. You basically get, you give yourself a review as like a one-star yeah. human and then you're like, but how am I great? <laughs> it's so different doing interviews on podcasts than it is doing an interview for a job because mm. in a podcast you spend the whole time yeah. telling everyone how awful you are. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are the worst things about you? Well, I just I, I dedicate too much of my time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, this is a good question. I think... For me, like, I focus on the change. Like, I'm very, very proud of mm. the change. Not that I didn't love who I used to be, but, like, the change of who that was compared to now. Yeah. The fact that I've opened my ears and really listened and spent a lot of time trying to understand this and, and taken on board so much empathy. Mm. I mean, you know, I I think the person I am now is, is so much bigger and so much better than the person I was then. Right. For all the reasons that you would have been told weren't the case for mm, man. Mm. Like who I was then was someone that rejected mental health and emotions. Yeah. Didn't hug my friends because I thought that was unmanly. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of people that would see that as a good, better person. Yeah. I'm, I'll cry to anyone. Yeah. I, I'm a hugger. I, you know, I'm so open with my emotions and mental health. Like six months of counseling, like stereotypically, I'm so much worse and weaker than I was, but I'm not. I'm so much better and a better person. That's amazing. And, and you know, I think when something like this happens to you, you have a few options in front of you yeah. of where you go. And I'm going to be like, none of those options are bad options. It's however you survive it. And a lot of the time it goes into drinking and yeah. drugs and, and bad, bad coping mechanisms. Absolutely. But still coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you basically ignore it. And, and that just sort of is a niggle in the back of your head that sort of makes you unhappy for a long period of time or you you really address it and you really confront it and you do something good and I get awards not that's not a brag I get awards and I get put on a pedestal for doing what I do <laughs> and, and it's difficult to make yeah. that not a brag but, I get a laugh um and the people that uh you go to drugs and alcohol they get sort of demonized and made to feel yeah. small but actually yeah. we've done exactly the same thing we've survived yeah. Um, oh I my god, that's thinking, so powerful. And I remember thinking the other day, like, what have I learned from Sam? Because mm. that's really what I'm saying is, who I'm proud of is like who I am now yeah. after what's gone, what I've gone through. And I guess for me, I'm, I'm like, his life taught me how to live because he was incredibly empathetic. And I've sort of taken that on board, and, and I'm, you know, a much more empathetic person now. Amazing. And and his death sort of taught me. Um, how to love, I guess, because I never really, ex- never really confronted what love was yeah. before Sam died. And you're sitting there, and anyone that's been through it, it's a horrific experience. And and um, it, do do you have someone there that you that you've got to provide CPR to and to and do first aid on? That's an incredibly <laughs> loving experience. Yeah, he, his life taught me how to like live, mm. empathy, compassion. Love, he cared about everyone. Even if he didn't know them and someone was bullying him in the playground, he'd come home and the whole car journey home, he'd be like, there's that awful guy. Like, like mate, you don't even know any of them. But he he'll, he would have really felt that. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, something I've learned from him. And his death, yet love. Like, I, I think it's so important to be loving of the people in your life. Yeah. And not just the people you know, but the people you don't. Yes, and absolutely. that's something he really felt was 
he really had a love for people yeah. um, and helping people and giving people a space of community. So, yeah, that, I guess, is the origin of, of who I am now yeah. and why I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I like that. Yeah. But I do, just to reiterate that one point and to sort of jump around and waffle again, the difference between me doing this and me being a, an alcoholic um, and abusing drugs is... No, absolutely. It's yeah. just it's just a matter of circumstance exactly. and luck, to be honest. Exactly. Um, it, yeah. It's the difference of me going to uni and <laughs> doing a petition to government, mm -hmm. or me going to uni and becoming, you know, addicted to nights out and going on nights out, and nights out, and nights out. There's no difference. Yeah. There, there's just circumstances and luck. Yeah. And I think actually, I find it quite funny when I'm awarded with stuff and I'm like, oh, I've, all I've done for the last five years is survive. Yeah. And funnel what I want to see change in the world, yeah. to stop what Sam had to go through. Like, I, I know this is going to sound very fabricated humbleness, but I don't think I deserve that at all, because mm. all I've done is survive. And mm. actually, I started campaigning for a very selfish reason, which was I didn't want to do A-levels, and I didn't want to <laughs> grieve, and I wanted something fun to do instead. Mm. And, yeah, we demonise people that choose the wrong... The, yeah, the wrong, the wrong, the wrong inverted commas. ...coping like, mechanisms, but we've done exactly the same thing. Yeah. And I've got awards for it, and they have, and, and they've got criminal records in some cases. And that's it's just, just like... That's so fascinating. It's... I, I think about that a lot, actually, and how quickly it could have changed and gone the other way. Yeah. Especially with me starting uni soon after. Like, yeah. uni's an incredible place if it goes well. It's a horrific place if it doesn't. Yeah. And it's... Very, what you've got is a very accessible nightlife drugs, alcohol, yeah. if you want to abuse it, it's there. Like, it's so accessible. Yeah. Um, and so I can, I've sort of thought about it so many times in my head of, like, how easily it could have been a completely different story, mm. like, completely different, mm. um, and and how different my position in the world and how people see me would have been if I had just chosen to do something else. Yeah. Kind of leading on from, from that a little bit, we started a new segment of the podcast, which we're calling the Thank You Letters, mm. um, which we ask uh, if there is one person or it doesn't even have to be a person or if there's a place or a thing that you just want to express gratitude for. There's oh, so many. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> literally right? so, so, so many. I could talk about so many people here. I've been very, very lucky with, with people being incredible in my life. But I think actually just to tie it back to what we was talked about at the beginning and mm. the uni experience. There was an amazing story, and I don't know his name, I don't know their name, I have mm. no idea who they are, I've never seen them again, mm. um, and I've only spoken about this once, maybe I spoke about the book, I can't remember, but um, it, I, I think it might have been first year or second year, so everything was quite fresh, and I just had such a massive breakdown. Mm. Um, I, I can't remember, I think this song came on that I, reminded me of something, and it just absolutely let it out and at the time I didn't know at the time but I do now that I was actually dealing with the most horrific amount of guilt and shame yeah so you spoke about him you know, the analogy of someone saying walk home right yeah so the the last conversation I had with my brother was an argument um we had dinner we shout at him shout at me and then that's then he died right um and that's okay and and so I guess like that uni a uni that was all coming out like this guilt and I kept I hated myself. Yeah. Like I really, I, no one would know because I was. I can, I can have a laugh and, yeah. like, and go out and you know have a laugh with people if I want to. But I really hated myself at that point, mm. and it all surfaced and all came out. And I just remember crying and walking through the streets of Liverpool at like ten o'clock at night, and um, everyone just sort of classic general public walked past and sort of ignore you. Mm. And it was a homeless man um, came up to me and sat me down, and we chatted for ages. Me and this homeless man. 
and he was just so lovely. Like I just remember him, he hugged me and mm. sat me down. And he, this, again, it's like such an amazing look at society, isn't it? That everyone with everything walked mm. past and the one guy with nothing sat me down and had a chat. We chatted for ages. And then some other people came over and was just like, started talking as well, tried to get me home and they, they walked me home. And just that person, mm. that man, saw that I was really not okay, mm. sat me down, had a chat. I mean, he didn't have to do that. But if anything, we owe him time, yeah. right, for, for what he's going through. And now, in the work I'm doing, we talk a lot about how important it is to talk. Yeah. Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask, yeah, it's yeah. so much harder than yeah. it seems. And it's, people make it seem really, really easy. But I just think about that guy. He had literally, I mean, literally didn't have a house. He, had, he was homeless. He had nothing. Mm. And he gave me that time. And if he can do it, in his circumstance, why can't we yeah. with our friends and with our families? And that's not to say we should be ashamed of not doing it at all. It's really hard and we are a bit, we do lead busy lives, yeah. but it's just more of a reminder that actually the difficult conversations are the things that you're, I'm going to remember four years. It's been four years. Mm. I can tell you everything. I can tell you how he looks. If you walk past me in the street, I'd probably recognize him. Mm. Like that's how much that half an hour that meant to you. me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how much it ingrained in you. Isn't that an example of if we were to be that friend or that family member that just gave half an hour to have a conversation, mm. just gave a hug when he needed it? You can most people can sense when you need to give someone a hug. Yeah, um, some people just need a yeah, do it, and you'll let literally never forget. I mean, another example of a similar sort of thing, very very quickly because I know this, I've rambled, on, <laughs> but um, Izzy, um, my friend, yeah. literally day after Sam died, yeah. just hug okay, I just hugged me. Yeah. And it was the first hug I'd had and I just literally let everything out. I'm never gonna forget that. Yeah. I'm never gonna forget that. And again, someone else I'm thankful for. But just that guy just epitomizes everything yeah. I think we should all be doing yeah. more of yeah. in our everyday. And for me personally, like I still remember it four years on, how just crucial that felt at that moment. Human kindness. Mm. So thank you so to whoever you are. <laughs> Okay, so we have a survivor story this week, um, which I'm asking Ben to read, so take it away. Of course, of course. <laughs> I am very passionate about a sober life and surviving suicide. I'm now seven years sober from class A drugs, three relapses, and now six months sober from absolutely everything. Mm. I went cold turkey seven years ago and looked at five years in prison. My life was very different. I was incredibly lucky not to go to prison. It gave me the shake I needed to take responsibility and change my life. I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was nine, as I couldn't read, and then diagnosed with ADHD at drama school at 20 and given no support. I had no idea what all my symptoms were or how to deal with it all. I slowly fell into a dark place of drug addiction. In the past seven years, the journey I've been on has been like a roller coaster and wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. One thing no one explains when you get sober is your emotions. You get a lot more sensitive. You feel and notice more things, which is beautiful, mm -hmm. as you become more, become more self-aware slowly, but can be hard to navigate. In the past eight months, I've been reading a lot on mental health to understand my own and how to help others. Understanding my ADHD at 31 has been so eye-opening. Mm -hmm. Why I have it, the trauma I have as a child from my mum, and how to heal. These beautiful books have recently been changing my soul, reading them while going to therapy. They are Wisdom of Anxiety by Cheryl Poole, The Myth of Normal by Dr. Gable Mate, Scattered Minds by Dr. Gable Mate. Mm. This is only a very small part of my story. I'm personally better at talking about it in person. Amazing. Hope to share my story one day to help someone in some way or another 
as we are all humans and being vulnerable and open is a beautiful way to help people connect and not feel alone in this toxic world. Amazing. So Um, amazing. Thank you so much for sending that. Uh, Yeah, with sobriety, it is a thing. It's something that they say. They say the good news about sobriety is you get your feelings back. The bad news is you get your feelings back. Mm. And it is, and that's that's a really good way of describing it. And thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll link those books um, in the bio if anybody's interested in reading those. Um, so, do you have any upcoming projects that you can tell us upcoming about? Upcoming projects, or upcoming, you know, life events? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, not not particularly that stands out at the moment. I've got a few a uh, few panel events I'm hosting. Um, I I've got lots of work on mm. <laughs> personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, like again, it goes back to this manifesto, this twenty first January thing. I feel like I want to try and inject hope get that conversation deeper yeah. um it's not a case of hey i've got this big thing happening happening yeah you know it's a case i'm really working on that i'm doing a lot of pitching a lot of talking to people that can yeah. try and get that on the agenda yeah. um and so it's going to be a case of <laughs> my big announcement is wait and see yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's good you just got your foot on the accelerator just exactly. like just moving forward rather than going hey okay. guys come to my massive thing at alton towers this <laughs> summer like that would be really random how sick that would, would that be, be <laughs> come to my mental health panel on a roller coaster <laughs> it's a metaphor <laughs> yeah amazing um but oh. no like it's just it's just continuing you know getting that conversation going and, and working on that you're amazing ben thank you, you. go to instagram right Oh yeah, you can yeah. head to Instagram, head to wherever I am. Instagram's the place to be. Yeah. I am Ben West. <laughs> That's your Instagram. I thought for a second that was just that you was announcing it. I am Ben West. You're right. I've been Ben West. <laughs> but Ben, thank you so so my much for coming pleasure. on. This has been absolutely glorious. I can't wait for the listeners to to absorb all of this. It's been fantastic. Thank you. I really really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Join me next week with my guest, comedian, fucking amazing human, Helen Bauer. If you or anyone you know is struggling or needs help with the issues discussed on Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends, please visit the podcast bio where you will find contact numbers with people readily available to give support. Please get in touch with your stories at either contact at whydoyouthink.com or on Instagram at emily underscore lane underscore UK. To have your story or thank you letter read on the podcast, please put survivor story or thank you letter either at the top or in the subject line. We really want to hear from you. We don't care if it's a catastrophe story or a small win from your week, your favorite place, person or thing. We're here for all of it. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and I'll talk to you soon. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.